What do you know about Rosetta Stone? Rosetta Stone. Well, long before it was an overpriced piece of software that's supposed to teach you other languages, it was a real stone. And for any of you who've been to London, maybe you've seen it in the British Museum, or if work or fun is taking you to London anytime soon, make an effort to stop into the British Museum. And if you see nothing else, see this. And as probably many of you are aware, it's an actual stone dug up in Egypt. But the reason that it's so valuable is that it's the thing that was used to translate Egyptian hieroglyphics. This funny script that people knew must have been important because it was all over the monuments in ancient Egypt, but nobody knew what it meant. And the Rosetta Stone, and this is why the software gets its name, has the same text written in multiple languages. In particular, the hieroglyphs are there and Greek is there. And because we knew how to read Greek, when this stone was found, they could sort it out and figure out what the hieroglyphs must have meant. Now, by this point, it's fair to you for you to say, who cares? I may never see the stone. But I'd like to suggest that something like the Rosetta Stone turns up in today's Mass. And it's no less important for us. Maybe it's even more important. Because it's not just about trying to translate an ancient language. It's about translating what we say is the very core of our faith. Yet, if you're like me, I'll admit with brutal honesty, at times it's as if I'm speaking another language. I'm saying very familiar words, but I'm not allowing myself to be penetrated to the heart and really understand what these words mean. And the phrase I'm talking about is this whole idea of the body of Christ, the flesh of Christ, the blood of Christ that unless we consume, we cannot have eternal life. Now, if I asked you, do you really believe that unless you take in the body and blood of Christ, you cannot have eternal life? Because the priest is asking you, and it's in church, and you've heard it before, we'd probably all say yes. But I mean this. If tomorrow afternoon, Monday afternoon, tough day at work, you're feeling kind of sluggish, or maybe there's something on your heart or your mind that you're worrying about, and you really, really hope you'll get this thing sorted out, is the first thought that pops into your mind, wait a minute, I was at Mass yesterday, I received communion. What am I worried about? I wish I could say that would always be my answer, but in spite of all the language we use, it's not always translated into reality for me. And when I find myself sluggish or needing hope, what do I do? I look for a guru to listen to or a blog that I can read or a video to watch, something that will inspire me. And yet I claim that everything I ever needed, I receive every time I come to this Mass. So, what's the Rosetta Stone? Well, there are multiple versions of the same text in this place. We have the body of Christ, as it was just read there in the Gospel of Jesus saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And yet I suspect for many of us that sounds as foreign as it did to them, if not outright scandalous. But think of other ways the body of Christ, that phrase is written out in a different text. Certainly here at the altar, the bread and the wine transubstantiated into his body and blood. And we know that we take that and we eat it. That I guess I get a little bit more when I talk about eating and drinking. 
but somehow that flesh and blood is the same flesh and blood that Jesus was talking about as a human being with other human beings? Well, as I'm always saying, we live on our side of the resurrection. The folks in the Gospels lived on their side. So we have yet another text for the body of Christ that they didn't have. And that's the body of Christ in this room, right? Thanks to St. Paul. We are the body of Christ somehow in this community. Somehow as we are gathered, it's not just good neighbors, you know, getting to know one another, living in peace. That's all great. But somehow that is the very same concept as what Jesus talked about in the gospel, what we celebrate here on the altar. So here you have all these different languages speaking the same concept, supposedly. But what's our Rosetta Stone? What is it that allows us to say, aha, and the light bulb goes off, and now I don't just say it because I passed a theology test, but I really understand what it means that if I come here on Sunday for the Eucharist or I read the Gospel of John whenever, or when I'm gathered together with people who share my faith, I have something that on a sluggish Monday afternoon I might point to and say, this is the thing I need. This is what will help me face that struggle in my family, in my job, that old memory that haunts me. What's our Rosetta Stone? And I'd like to suggest it's the fourth body of Christ in this room, and it's that one. Now I'll grant you, here at St. Joe's, that's a beautiful depiction of Jesus. He looks pretty serene and happy, but we all know that before he looked like that, there's another reason he's up on the wall with his arms spread. And if we ignore the body of Christ on the cross, we're never really going to translate all these other bodies. And I'm not pointing to some sort of macabre, sad sacrifice, and thank goodness Jesus suffered so much because that somehow helps us. What is Jesus on the cross all about? It's intimately tied to the Last Supper that we commemorate and in some ways enter into anew every time we celebrate Mass. What the body of Christ on the cross means is he's saying that the heart of all of this is self-sacrificial love. Jesus says in today's gospel, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Think of the other times he says, unless. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, you're never going to get new life. Unless you live, you cannot be a true friend. He's not just talking about literally sacrificing your physical life. He's talking about all those different ways we are invited into self-sacrificial love. And unless you and I can really take that as the translating piece for all this other spiritual language, we're never really going to put it to work for us. We're never really going to say, aha, now I understand what these other texts mean. Now I understand what it means to say, unless I live into this, I will never have life or hope. And I know we don't always tie all those different versions of the body of Christ together, but if we don't, that's our problem. It's not Jesus's. And so maybe on even a beautiful summer morning like this, it's just an invitation to think about where are my invitations to self-sacrificing love? Lots of parents here with their children, you know what that looks like. You know what it looks like to do little things or big things that maybe if you didn't have that role as mother and father, you'd make other choices. 
You know what it means in your marriages, in your jobs, as son or daughter, as a good friend. We know what it means to make choices that otherwise we might say, why would I do that? That's only going to set me back. Why should I extend myself in vulnerability? Why should I have less so that somebody else might have more? And if the answer to that is simply, well, that's what God wants me to do, I suppose that's not a bad answer. But God, I think, isn't sitting around just wanting to make sure we follow the rules. Nobody loves their spouse because it would be a sin if they didn't, I hope. You love your spouse because you couldn't imagine doing anything else. Why in the world would somebody choose to sacrifice? You choose to do that if it were an expression of love. And that's what the body of Christ on the cross is all about. But lest it just be some video we're watching from 2,000 years ago, oh, look what Jesus did, wasn't that wonderful? He himself doesn't let us off the hook. And he says, this is the thing you must ingest. You must do as I did. And if they weren't totally clear on that, on their side of the resurrection, we can cut them some slack. But it should be crystal clear for us. But those are just going to be untranslated words unless and until we can enter into that same dynamic. And so my prayer for all of us in this 20th week of ordinary time is simply that we might look inside to our minds and hearts and where there are those opportunities, that little nudge or maybe that big nudge to extend ourselves in self-sacrificial love. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It's little baby steps that make up the journey. But where we recognize those opportunities, we'll embrace them. Because Jesus doesn't cut any corners. He says, unless you do this. And there's no wiggle room there. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing, we hold the death of the Lord in our hearts. It's not just that we're remembering what Jesus did. It's that we're listening and praying for the grace to accept his invitation to take that death to self and make it our own.